1: I guess as time goes on I'll grow to miss it less than I will now
2: once again for Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM, Travis Schreier, your trusty, if not talented host of the program, fresh from BamaOnline.com, where I serve as the senior analyst for BOL, part of the 247sports.com network. The show, as always, brought to you by Peter Brook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North, right there. In the Indian Hills section of Titletown, USA, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And by the way, if you're looking for that unique Father's Day gift, guess what they're doing at Peterbrook Chocolatier? You can take that little one by Peterbrook and do a chocolate handprint for dad. How about that? He's got plenty of ties, he doesn't have any, I can promise you. Chocolate handprints. You can get those coming up in advance of Father's Day at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer of Southern Fried Sports, Jacob Harrison. And together we combine to form the 60th anniversary of, of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, I hope you're feeling better than a lot of Alabama
3: fans after last night. I mean, no. <laughs> we watched that one in real time in here. I know. During the show. It was it was not easy to process all in one go. Uh, you know, right before I left I saw the the three run homer and it, it was just a, a sinking feeling, but it was at least good to see them, you know, fight back, have a strong fourth and fifth inning, uh to, to, to make it close and make it feel like they had a chance. So they at least finished on a strong note, but it was a hell of a season and, and plenty to be proud of all the same.
2: Yeah, fifty plus wins. You had the twenty game. Win streak leading up to those two games against Florida State. Montana Fouts otherworldly for much of the 2021 season. The perfect game against UCLA. Winning the SEC Tournament Championship on campus at UA. So many great things about this team. The performances, Bailey Hemphill. A player for all time at the University of Alabama. A student athlete for all time. Transcending just the sport of softball. You can put Bailey Hempel when you, when you outline the definition of student-athlete and an elite student-athlete, Bailey Hempel's right at the top of that list of Alabama greats in any sport. And when looking just at softball, she's in that rarefied air, Kelly Crutchman, you know? That's uh, that's the, the type of player and players you're, you're talking about that, that Bailey Hemphill rates comparably favorably to. And so just a tremendous, tremendous career for Bailey Hemphill. You hate to see it come to an end on that sort of note, but she did what she could do last night. Got Alabama on the board going the opposite field with a single, hit a home run there in the middle innings. So Bailey Hemphill standing out once again in her final performance as a member of the Alabama Crimson Tide. You know who I blame the last two nights on? I blame the Atlanta Braves for that, Jacob. And I know you're intrigued now. Your interest is truly piqued by this sort of -of one-of-a-kind analysis that you get only here on Southern Fried Sports. I blame the Alabama script A it's got the mullet, but it's it's too close to the Atlanta Braves. And we all know what happens to the Atlanta Braves in the postseason. So I'm blaming the Braves is what I'm going to do. I think that's the easy way out. But in all seriousness, congratulations to Patrick Murphy, his staff. I know in the wake of the decisions that were made the last couple of days in terms of the pitching, and going with Lexi Kilfoyle in game one against Florida State, holding Montana Fouts for game two, and we talked about it really at the time. We talked about it last week, that potential scenario. If you get to uh, 2-0 and and you have that game to play with, that's where it gets interesting in terms of having that option of going to Lexi Kilfoyle. And, you know, I know a lot of people in retrospect now are second-guessing that and Having a problem with going with Killful, even though she allowed only two runs. The problem for Alabama in the two games against Florida State was that the offense was non existent, essentially, until it was all but over. You know, the offense for Alabama waited until it was eight to nothing last night to kind of get something going. And if you would have told me in advance of last night, that Alabama's going to score five runs with Montana Fouts in the circle and lose the man in Vegas. If he had a prop bet on something like that, he would have taken everything I have because I would have loaded everything on Alabama with five runs and Montana Fouts in the circle. You absolutely would have bankrupt me the man, but it didn't happen. And so the season ends for Alabama, Florida state, all the credit in the world to the Seminoles. All the credit in the world to Florida State because that's a team, that's a program. Eight straight wins now in elimination scenarios at the Women's College World Series. It's a hell of a stat. And so it will be Florida State and Oklahoma starting tonight in that championship best of three series. So Florida State and the Noles, we've seen that in college football in the past. We saw a college football national championship game back in the day. I believe Josh Heupel was quarterbacking the Oklahoma Sooners at the time maybe. Yeah. 2053429904 that is the Peterbrook Chocolate Studio line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, you are more than welcome to do so. We're going to get into a lot of college football talk because it is a Tuesday. We'll do that with Brent Beard coming up in the very next segment. We're going to get Brent's thoughts on the Nick Saban extension. We were able to get into that a good bit on the program yesterday because it kind of broke while we were on the air yesterday. So we were able to provide you with some initial thoughts. Eight more years at least of Nick Saban. And then you get some scheduling news today with Oklahoma State coming on and a rearrangement of sorts where the Notre Dame series is concerned. It'll push back to 2029 starting in South Bend. You were previously set up to start the 2028 season with a road trip to Notre Dame and then come home the next week to take on the Ohio State Buckeyes. How about that for a one-two punch to crank up a season? Instead now, uh, Oklahoma State, will the mullet, Do you think the mullet, Mike Gundy, is he still in place as the head coach at Oklahoma State in 2028? I've got no reason to think he won't be. He seems very comfortable. He's had opportunities to leave Stillwater. It appears or has appeared as if the big money, specifically T. Boone Pickens, back when he was still around, were very much in the corner of Mike Gundy. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a good chance. Come 2028, Alabama goes to Stillwater, as they were known in the outstanding movie Almost Famous. And uh, you get the Cowboys in Tuscaloosa a year later, 205-342-9904. We'll also talk with Brent about the inevitability of this expanded college football playoff, but more of it tending... More of it trending towards 12 teams. Going to skip right past six and eight and go to 12, apparently, once we get this expanded college football playoff. And certainly scheduling in college football, I think, is a great indicator of the expectation for the expanded college football playoff. Because you're not just seeing one of these premium elite-type matchups, as we've seen in most seasons, Sort of one offs each and every year, whether they're the neutral site games and becoming more and more, more and more home and home based. And I think if you're a fan, you love this. With this announcement of Oklahoma State, probably the thing you like the most about that is that it is going to be home and home. You know, it's not Oklahoma State and Arlington. Yeah, that really gets the blood pumping at this point, doesn't it? No, no, but hey, you're probably already thinking about how can I get to Stillwater or I'm going to make that trip to Stillwater. And a lot of folks, college football is about the places it takes you as much as anything else. And so when you're an Alabama fan, you're thinking Austin coming up. You're thinking Columbus, Ohio. You're thinking South Bend. Now you're thinking Stillwater, Morgantown, West Virginia. You love the thought of those. Absolutely. And that's the way it is setting up here for the not-too-distant future. College baseball, I stayed up watching some of that last night. After the Alabama-Florida State softball on the cable, I hung around as best I could to watch the Paul Maneri farewell tour get extended to another weekend. Paul Maneri, apparently his farewell tour is going to rival that of Elton John. How many years now has Elton John been on this farewell tour? Since like 2012? Well, Paul Maneri, the outgoing, retiring coach on the baseball diamond for the LSU Tigers, he's headed to Knoxville with his team. After LSU late night on Monday, goes into Eugene, Oregon, and wins that regional in ousting, homestanding Oregon in the if-necessary game. So as it sets up, For the Southeastern Conference, you've got Mississippi State, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Vandy, Arkansas, all advance. And when you talk about just if necessary games on Monday, Ole Miss, Arkansas, LSU combined to go 3-0. Regional play still hitting over, in case you're wondering. That Columbia, South Carolina regional still going on. They cranked up ODU. And Virginia in that regional final early this morning, I last check, they were top of the eighth there in Columbia. And Virginia had a the three seed, by the way, two seed South Carolina didn't make it to the championship round of its own regional. ODU's the one seed in Columbia, but ODU down two one at last check there in Columbia, trying to get all these regionals. Played, But as far as super regional matchups involving the Southeastern Conference, Ole Miss now will go to Tucson to take on Arizona, an SEC super in Knoxville with LSU visiting the Vols. NC State and those big bats going to head to Fayetteville. Arkansas survives that if necessary game with Nebraska last night. Crazy, crazy environment there in Fayetteville at Baum Stadium. Not sure if you saw any of that, but, geez, college football crowd-like there at Arkansas. You're going to have East Carolina at Vanderbilt. Notre Dame going to travel to Starkville to take on Mississippi State. So there you go. Six SEC teams advanced to Supers. You're guaranteed of at least one College World Series team because you got LSU at Tennessee. So we know we're going to have at least one, and then you're going to have three other teams hosting Super. So very, very real possibility that you're looking at half of your College World Series field coming from the Southeastern Conference. We're going to head to a break when we come back. A lot of college football talk with Brent Beard of College Sports Today, First Coast News. Always look forward to talking with Brent on Tuesdays. We'll do that and more when Southern Fried Sports, presented by Peterbrook Chocolatier, returns on a Tuesday right after this. Touchdown, Alabama
0: West. The Alabama, Alabama football, football countdown, countdown clock, clock is driven by, by Crawford Insurance, Tuscaloosa's low-cost auto insurer. Call 752-6489 for a free quote today. Well done, well done. There are there are there are, are eighty eight days. Until Alabama football. Dominic. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. Warm, humid weather this afternoon, cloudy at times with a few passing showers or thunderstorms through tonight. The high today, 85, tonight's low, 68. Tomorrow and Thursday, a mix of sun and clouds both days with scattered showers and thunderstorms, highs between 85 and 88. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide.
2: Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on your home for University of Alabama Athletics Tide 100.9 FM and as we typically do at this time on Tuesdays time to head to the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line to check in with our great great friend Brent Beard of College Sports Today First Coast News and of course longtime voter for the Heisman Trophy and usually we have to sort of Come up with some topics maybe, Brent, (laughs) in early June, even where college football, the year-round sport it is now, is concerned. But not so much here in the last couple of days, especially where the University of Alabama is concerned. The big news breaking during this program yesterday was the extension for Nick Saban through the 2028 season. Let's hear it, Brent. Give us sort of your take and – your thoughts on the timeliness of that, and what does it mean for the rest of the league and maybe the rest of college football?
1: Well, uh, you could see on Twitter yesterday, they're just absolutely exasperated after they heard that, uh, although I think they knew something similar was coming. Uh, and, and, Trav, is always, when Nick Saban, it centers around recruiting, does it not? He wanted to get that word out there, Uh, that he was not going anywhere anytime soon uh, because he's dealing with these guys. And and I'm sure that uh, these recruits and their parents are asking, Coach, how long are you going to be here? Uh, And for the ones that he is dealing with right now, uh, that will give them – uh, certainly more of an answer, uh, but, but again, uh, I mean, Trav, uh, at, at a guy near 70, I still say, my friend, uh, I hope that I've got my hair, uh, my stomach's that flat, and I, I have that much energy at 70. Uh, Trav, uh, hey, hey, Trav, is uh, is Pops anywhere near that Nick Saban level, do you think?
2: No, not in the, not
1: in the midsection, <laughs>
2: for sure. Not in the midsection. Uh, Nick is much more, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say, fit in that particular area than Pops. But, uh, no, it's amazing. And, you know, we talked about it. And You consider this extension, and if he goes through 2028 and that's it, uh, he would be 77 years old at that point. Um, I don't know if there's anything such as a young 77, but it's not all that difficult to envision Nick Saban being the exception to that. And uh, so when we look at future scheduling, too, and and how that's sort of played out here in the last couple of days, Brent, we learned this morning from UA that a home and home with uh, Oklahoma State is set for 2028, 2029, going to push Notre Dame back to 2029, 2030. You were set up to have, how about this for a one-two punch (laughs) right out the gate? This is what it was before this edition and the altering of Notre Dame uh, in the series with the Fighting Irish. In 2028, on Saturday, September the 2nd, Alabama was set to open the season in South Bend against Notre Dame, then come home and play Ohio State at (laughs) Bryant-Denny Stadium the very next Saturday. Um, I want to ask you this, too, because we ask and wonder about the longevity of of Nick Saban and yes. thinking ahead to 2028 20, 2029 20, of the two head coaches currently employed by Alabama and Oklahoma State which do you think is most likely to still be in that same position when the Crimson Tide travels to Stillwater to for that series there down the road
1: uh, I, I've thought about a lot this morning uh, where that would be. I would almost say both of them might be. Uh, and, and the reason I say that is people may not remember this travel. Mike Gundy has had an opportunity uh, to coach Tennessee. Now, Tennessee, okay, three times, three times. Gu- Gu- Gundy's even mentioned this. Uh, the, and uh, for whatever reason, Uh, It didn't work out any of those times, and he has kind of settled in there uh, at Oklahoma State. Uh, So I I would almost say of these uh, rare uh, situations where uh, you've got these games scheduled um, uh, five years in advance, uh, this may be one of those few exceptions to where both Alabama and Oklahoma retain their coaches And we'll be on the sideline for that game.
2: Yeah, it almost feels like T. Boone Pickens put it in his will that Mike Gundy (laughs) will coach Oklahoma State uh, football in perpetuity or whatever, however that word is pronounced. And if it does happen, we had the famous, infamous, however you perceive it at the time, I'm a man, I'm 40. Well, in 2028, it'll be Mike Gundy, I'm a man. I'm 61 years old, and I agree with you. It it, it wouldn't surprise me if Mike no. Gundy in that fabulous mullet. The mullet might be a little grayer, uh, Brent, than it is right now. But you know, could be, uh, you know, could be a fabulous look for Mike Gundy in eight years or so when the Alabama Crimson Tide visits Stillwater, Oklahoma. D- talking with Brent Beard of College Sports Today and First Coast News, and we talk about this scheduling stuff, and it goes back to What you anticipate to be an expanded playoff, certainly in five, six, seven, eight years' time. And you see these type of matchups in multiples for the future, not just a premium sort of opponent in, say, Notre Dame or Ohio State, West Virginia down the road, uh, Oklahoma State now, uh, Oklahoma, I believe, is down the road as well for Alabama Obviously, this is a continuation, right? And then from Pete Thamel of Yahoo.com yesterday, we hear his take and his dealings with decision-makers around college athletics that forget about six teams or even eight. Uh, it sounds like, based on Pete Thamel's reporting, there is very much a push to go ahead and move this thing to 12 teams when it expands, Brent.
1: Yeah, yeah. The, this has been talked about a, a good amount recently. Uh, And and, and look, uh, again, uh, people need to remember that writers write this time of year to get attention. And we had the article yesterday on would Arkansas be better off by going to the Big 12? Well, I I, I like David Ubbin, who writes for ESPN. I've met him before, and I think he does a pretty good job in covering Tennessee and the SEC. But... You do a you do an article like that because there's not a whole lot going on this time of year. I wouldn't I wouldn't Uh, think
2: the math would work so well for Arkansas. uh, No. And when I I say math, you know, I'm talking cash, right? I mean, 12 cash versus SEC cash, Dave. Is that really up Uh, for consideration?
1: Uh, well, and, I, and again, I, I think this is just one of those articles to get people to thinking on that one, because you hear all the time, well, well why doesn't Vanderbilt leave the SEC? That They are not going to leave the SEC. <laughs> Because they're not going to leave that money as a reality. Well, and
2: they bring academic prestige, and that's uh, the other sure side they, of it with the SEC hanging in there with Vanderbilt.
1: Uh, and, and listen, Trav, uh, you and I have covered this for a long time, and there's another side of this league that people don't think about, is the chancellors and presidents still run this league at least to a degree. And that is very important to them uh, of having some sort of of an academic reputation in this league, and that's one of the Vanderbilts uh, in, in Missouri to a degree, especially with their J school, uh, it, it means a lot to these presidents now to the uh, and, and I'll, I'll be brief on this on the 12-team playoff, I think what's fascinating to me about this is it's just looking at how this is going to work. Now, look, uh, I, we've heard 12, we've heard eight. Um, I know Matt Hayes, who I have a lot of respect for, uh, has also mentioned uh, um, uh, m- it may go just uh, incrementally to six or eight. But here's what our listeners need to know is that uh, in Chicago, on July 17th and 18th, there's going to be a working group. Uh, they've been working on some possibilities. They're going to report to what's called the College Football Playoff Management Committee. And without getting too deep in the details here, because we have a lot to cover, uh, th- the point that our listeners need to know is uh, this is not going to wait to happen uh, in, when the contracts are up. that This is going to be started uh, over the last few years behind the scenes. Uh, and then they've got to go through multiple committees uh, involving 11 presidents and chancellors uh, to deal with this. Also, uh, n- nothing about money yet. That will come on down the line. But, Trev, the other thing that caught my eye, and I'm sure you, uh, you caught this too, is the, uh, the, the situation of how would this work the, yeah. fir- the first four teams would get a bye, and then teams 5 through 8 would host teams 9 through 12 on home sites. Now, look, I- I'm sure the bowls would be integrated with this at some point uh, along the line. The TV money, is, as we all know, would be incredible, but uh, the thing I just want to point out is – uh, eight, twelve, or whatever they go to. Uh, this is kind of what they're doing, and they are working, and their things getting done.
2: Yeah, with the twelve-team scenario, Pete Thamel presents a format of automatic bids for the five Power Five conference champions, which, as he notes, would only make the conference championship games even more. Juiced up. Sure. And one of the highest are there'd be a bid for the highest ranked group of five champion. And then you would have six, half the field would be at large bids, essentially. And then you would go from there with your 12 team scenario. So uh, it seems to be picking up more and more steam in terms of going to 12 when the decision and the move is, is ultimately made. Now, we talk about Group of Fives. Is there anything to this narrative or this buzz out there about Boise State making a move from uh, in terms of conference affiliation?
1: Uh, maybe going to the American Athletic Conference. Uh, there's been, and I'll give Dennis Dodd credit for this, because they have obtained some documents that have talked about emails between some of the principals, Uh, about Boise State, uh, which, by the way, has around 16 sports, and that's even after cutting baseball and swimming and diving. Hopefully they'll get the baseball back uh, at some point. But uh, without getting, getting too far in the weeds with this, too, the thing that I wanted to put out, and something that Travis and I have talked about for years, is, folks, expansion is not dead. Expansion is just dormant. Uh, And, and Trav, I also believe that with the contracts, with the playoff, look, I'm not saying this is going to be wholesale expansion, but but all I'm saying is uh, our listeners need to be aware that uh, expansion still can happen uh, particularly with the changes we see down the road, uh, meeting a team here and there and so forth. Uh, but, but, Trav, you and I both know that, let's just say, and I don't think they will, but Oklahoma and Texas, uh, for one to get together and say, uh, guys, we've kind of had enough of the Big 12, but we're on the move. Uh, Trav, you get one domino fall like that, and a whole lot of moving and shaking could go on.
2: Absolutely. No doubt about that. And, you know, you continue to sort of look around the Southeastern Conference as we ramp up to the 2021 season. And there's been some quarterback talk, I guess, Brent, involving uh, LSU with that derby that the Tigers uh, are set to continue through fall camp with Miles Brennan back from injury, with Max Johnson coming off an impressive end to his true freshman campaign. Uh, Do you think Ed Orgeron is going (laughs) to stick to the 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 adage or the approach that we've seen coaches do in the past with quarterbacks or players in any sport that injury will not prevent a starter from resuming in that spot once he is healthy? Is that is that possible with Miles Brennan?
1: Uh, It very well may be. Uh, As a matter of fact, and again, I give Matt Hayes credit for this. Matt projected uh, Miles Brennan's numbers. If he had stayed healthy uh, in a 12-game schedule, remember he had that core injury, which really was a bad injury, that he would have got like 4,400 yards and 44 touchdowns, which would have been similar to what Joe Burrow did, and, and obviously uh, in that realm of, of where Mac Jones was. So, Trav, I think the question comes up, and it's a good one, and you and I have seen this going both ways. Is do you let you let them find it out in August? Or, or does he, Trav, does he come out at like media days and say, uh, uh Miles is going to take the first snap because, uh, we don't think it's fair for him to lose his job because of an injury.
2: Yeah, I doubt that. Unless you want to risk having one of your returning quarterbacks on yeah, the move, roster yeah, when ball camp gets underway. I mean, if you're Max Johnson and, you know, O runs that out there in mid July. You've got a couple weeks to maybe test the the undercurrent yeah. for right. the transfer portal. Sure. Uh, and with the interconference rule going away too, you know, there's plenty of places Max Johnson can be a starter no today. Doubt. No at doubt. The Power five level, and I would think you got to consider the big picture in all of this. You've already seen Brennan sustain an injury that kept him out for a lot of a season. Um, when you look at down the road you're looking at max johnson for at least two more years behind center not sure what you're looking at with miles brennan so uh that would be very interesting to see the approach that ed orgeron decides to take in the lead up to the 2021 season brent um what about texas a&m we talked about the aggies quarterback situation and trying to replace kellen Mond, but apparently some interesting news involving a september opponent for the Aggies, where the quarterback situation is concerned.
1: Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that, that an interesting game with A&M is they go to Colorado early in September, and Colorado's quarterback, Sam Neuer, who was a second-team All-Pac-12 selection, has up and left. Uh, a pretty good prospect, 6'4", 220. He is a super senior. Uh, I mean, he, he doesn't have gaudy numbers, but threw for a thousand yards and, and uh, six touchdowns. So I think the question is, who replaces him? And Trav, how about this? What, one of the guys that that might do it is is J T. Shrout, who was from Tennessee. <laughs> So, wow. uh, uh, you know, it's it, it's fascinating where all this stuff goes. I mean, they've got a redshirt freshman in Brenna Lewis and Drew Carter, who's a true freshman, that's involved with that, too. And uh, look, uh, realistically, AM has a much better ro- roster than Colorado. I think we know that. But, again, as we chronicle here on the segment, a ms looking for a new guy themselves. Could that be Haynes King? Possibly, so. uh, But still, you know, it's only your second game of the year. You're on the road. It's your it's your quarterback's first trip on the road. Uh, And I'm not predicting an upset here, but it it, 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 that kind of makes that a little more intriguing.
2: What about Georgia and the impact that it is expected to take on from the transfer portal here in recent weeks, making some big hits? on both sides of the ball, defensively, offensively. But could that have an effect on a previous uh, (laughs) transfer to Georgia? Brandon Turnage, the former Alabama corner, there have been some rumblings about him uh, in recent days, possibly maybe looking elsewhere and moving on from Georgia, uh, especially in the wake of the news that another player of note at his, his position has been added from Clemson. What are you hearing on that, Brent?
1: Well, he actually came out and tweeted, relax with the rumors over the weekend, but um, uh, there are several stories that are out that Turnage uh, is maybe having some second thoughts. Now, someone has contacted Michael Fair, who coached him uh, in Oxford, Mississippi, And he said that Turner just didn't feel comfortable. So there's still some questions here. Now, as Travis mentioned, Georgia's made a lot of moves in that secondary to shore that secondary up. Deron Kendrick, obviously, is one of those guys. And again, we got to remember, Deron Kendrick was a problem child at Clemson. Debo benched him twice, and then he got caught with a unlawful possession of a gun and marijuana, so he's got some legal stuff that that he's got to deal with. But, but, but Trev, this is something we've talked about before, and this is not being disparaging against turnage, but it's just the reality of sometimes the grass is not greener wherever you go. Uh, and, 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 listen, this is not going to be the only guy in this situation. You leave one school because you don't think you're going to play, and you go to another one, and you really, really don't like it. So what do you do at that point? Uh, Could we see a lot more of of a situation like that going on across the board?
2: Yeah, you got to be careful with this transfer portal. Really do. Uh, The opportunities are going to be there for guys like Turnage, but if you're making the move thinking you're just stepping right into a ready-made situation at a place like Georgia, Kirby and all these staffs, the moment they acquire you, they are already looking to upgrade on you.
1: There's no doubt They're about always it.
2: always looking to recruit above the current talent level yes. that they have in-house. So it isn't just limited to coming out of high school. Uh, even as a transfer, an experienced player, uh, that process never stops. Well, Brent, no. as always, we appreciate you taking the time with us here on the program each and every Tuesday. Thanks a lot, Brent.
1: Always a pleasure bud As you said in the beginning Just an amazing amount of things going on In the month of June Where are we at on the magazine
2: count by the way I gotta get a magazine
1: update before we uh, reach out of here. We have got uh, uh, Obviously uh, Athlon and Lindy's Are out we're waiting on the Lindy's SEC edition And they said last week That will be on the shelves this week
2: Alright so we're in a little bit Of a holding pattern
1: But uh <laughs>
2: We're gonna get that Lindy's SEC edition here. Before you know it, Phil Still will uh, will release his biblical like uh, pub down the road. Hey, thanks a lot, Brent. Always, brother. There he goes, Brent Beard. College Sports Today, First Coast News, Heisman Trophy voter, Brent Beard. Back with more of a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. Right after this. Columbia regional game seven and they're tied three to three at the top of the night and you got this reliever for Virginia who's doing his best Al Roboski impersonation and for the old farts out there you know who I'm talking about the former big league reliever who used to do all the theatrics out behind the mound really try to juice him up juice himself up this relief pitcher for Virginia was just behind the mound punching himself in the head yeah going full Al Raboski. the mad Hungarian from back in the day and so they're tied trying to figure out this Old Dominion Virginia final in Columbia so you got college baseball even on a Tuesday morning. Also wanted to ask the question, Jacob, when you look at these future Alabama road trips for the Crimson Tide football team, which one now are you most excited about? Because you've added Stillwater. You've got Austin with Texas coming up. Been there. Madison, Wisconsin for Wisconsin. That one has me intrigued. South Bend for Notre Dame later in the decade. Seen a couple of games there at Notre Dame Stadium. We've given you sort of the pro tips on making that South Bend trip already. You go into Chicago, and based on the time of year, you're going to be able to get Cubs baseball, probably. The Cubs are in town. You do the Cubs maybe Thursday, Friday, in early September, then you... Make the little short 80-mile drive to South Bend for the game on Searty. Columbus, Ohio, I've been there. Not overly impressed with Columbus, Ohio and or the Ohio State campus. Almost feels like Georgia Tech. It's very metropolitan, the feel of OSU. Morgantown, I'm intrigued. I would think that's a fun, fun town. I've heard the same about Stillwater, too. So what about it, Jacob? Which of those trips would you be most excited to make?
3: I think it'd be Austin, and 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 yeah. to go see the Longhorns. Uh, I, I think that's the most intriguing. Uh, I, I know Alabama's got the the history of kind of breaking some of these programs. You know, think about Florida State, how they haven't been able to recover. UIC has their struggles, so it'd be interesting. Texas is probably going to feel themselves a little bit with Sark. One good season, then you got to host Alabama, and then it all comes crashing down. And you might see Keelan Robinson. For that
2: Texas offense. How about that? Yeah, Austin's awesome. Just as a town. Just to go make a weekend trip to Austin is a lot of fun. So much to do there. We did the sort of tour of Austin. State capital, obviously. So there's that part of it as well. The music scene, South by Southwest, annually hosted by Austin. Uh, You can... You know, typically there's music all the time there on 6th Street. Got to be careful on 6th Street. You can get in some trouble down there. Just got to be careful. Madison has me intrigued. Um, And then maybe even Morgantown after Madison. I like the true college town experience. Madison, though, is a pretty big city, you know. It's not uh It's not quaint. It's not Starkville, that's for sure. Let's head to the Peterbrook Chocolate Theater studio line right now. Check in with George on a Tuesday morning. George, how are you doing? I'm good, Travis. How are you? I'm
4: kind of very disappointed after last night. But mm-hmm. I got a question for you. You know, I kind of felt like first they executed much better than we did on all phases of the game. But I felt like our um, infield kind of, you know, was very, very shaky. And that with the injuries, we really could have used Skylar Wallace. And I was trying to figure out why she transferred to Florida. Do you have any idea of why that happened?
2: You know, I don't know the exact specifics behind that. I've kind of heard things that I think a lot of folks have just sort of a disagreement, perhaps in terms of how she would be utilized, Um but that's the extent that I've really heard about it. But you're right. When you lose Bailey Dowling, you lose Claire Jenkins right in the middle of your defense. I thought Savannah Woodard, though, last night, made a couple of nice plays. I think it was an 8-5 game there, fifth or sixth inning, high chopper to her. she came up, didn't sit back on it, was able to make the play at first and keep that runner at third from scoring with two outs. So there were some positives, but there's no doubt. I mean, you, 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 as great as Bailey Himple is, you didn't anticipate her probably at this point in her career being your every game catcher. She can do it, and she did it extremely well. Um, but right up the middle there in the infield, with the injuries and you know some other things coming into play, like Wallace moving on, no, uh, you know the last twenty games or twenty plus games in which they went twenty straight for them to do that as weakened as they were in some key spots was pretty amazing. Well, you know, the thing
4: about it is, you know, Montana, when most of your outs are strikeouts, you know, you're kind of not letting your infield be exposed.
2: Yeah, you're able to conceal a lot of of things.
4: Yeah, I I, I think that their Mm -hmm. uh, game plan was to shorten up on the bat and, you know, get the ball and make them make plays. You know, like they always say, put the ball in play and most of the time a lot of good things will happen. And then once you make an error, you put more pressure on yourself and you expose yourself even more. But you know, even with that we you know, up until the, the third out at third base, um, we we're trying to claw back into the game. But this I will say about Florida State, they were much more aggressive at the plate on defense and all the way around. And they were much better than I thought they were gonna be.
2: So
3: that's yeah, kind of they. Work.
2: I thought they were more comfortable in the situation in both games. They were looking to take take the situation by the throat, as you said. They were aggressive. Um, they didn't back up. The thing that really surprised me as much as anything with Montana Fouts is that she typically doesn't walk people, and her command mm-hmm. was such last night that she even had a problem from that perspective. So that really told you, you know, she wasn't the Montana Fouts that we're used to seeing, but that happens from time to time. Hey, George, we always appreciate the phone call. Thanks for listening. Okay, thank you. See ya. There he goes, George, checking in. Let's go to Tom real quick before we head to a final break.
5: Tom, how are you this morning? I'm good, Travis. How are you?
2: I'm good, sir.
5: Look, I want to bring something up about Miles Brennan. Brennan, and. uh Get your thoughts on it. Uh, You're familiar with his family. The Brennan family, right?
2: Uh, From from the uh, Brennan's in New Orleans? The Brennan's restaurant? deal. Yes.
5: Yeah. And you know they've given a lot of money to LSU. I can can imagine that scenario. Yeah, and, and I wanted to get your take. I don't think... You can replace Miles uh, with anybody, and uh, because if it, if the competition is close between him and uh, Johnson, guess who's going to get that job? Mm, you
2: know, Max Johnson comes with some credibility too. I mean, uh, his dad yeah, but not from
5: New Orleans. Is Brad
2: Johnson? I hear you. I hear you. And, and look, I, I, it's not. It's not like Miles Brennan isn't capable of being an SEC right, quarterback. Right. He showed that. So maybe if it's a splitting of hairs, um, it, they lean towards Brennan. But I, you know, who knows?
5: I, I, I get where you're going with it, though. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting to think about. Also, I thought about this, Trav. You were talking yesterday: name, image, and likeness for Peter Brooks. <laughs> i guarantee you if miles doesn't make it in football he'll make it in the movie you follow my you, drift? yeah yeah there's you guys at valentine for Peterbrook. all right we, we, du- <laughs> duly
2: noted duly noted
5: tom we all appreciate right, buddy, the input around but uh i'm serious about i don't think he'll be replaced
2: I got you. Well, you're on record. We like you. We like you doing that in early June. We'll, we'll revisit right, that you. when
5: the time comes.
2: There you go. There he goes. Tom says it's going to be Miles Brennan and that uh, jambalaya creole, shrimp creole for Brennan's. It's going to win out in that quarterback job in Baton Rouge. Going to step aside for our final break. and we come back, we'll put a wrap on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this
0: tide 100.9 tuscaloosa weather warm humid weather this afternoon cloudy at times with a few passing showers or thunderstorms through tonight the high today 85 tonight's low 68 tomorrow and thursday a mix of sun and clouds both days with scattered showers and thunderstorms highs between 85 and 88 i'm james Spann on the abc 3340 weather center on tide 100.9 it's 81 degrees in tuscaloosa flagship station for alabama crimson tide football alabama touchdown only on tide 100.9 and streaming on the tide 100.9 app
2: born on this day in 1979 Derek Trucks guitar virtuoso especially where the slide is concerned and by the way Derek Trucks a very proud member of the Duval fan base when it comes to his hometown Jacksonville Jaguars of course Derek and his wife Susan Tedeschi Forming that formidable duo of the Tedeschi Trucks Band. We've seen them come through Tuscaloosa in recent years. I was there at the Tuscaloosa Amp. They were the headliner on the Wheels of Soul Tour. Had drive-by truckers on that bill as well. And I see where the Tuscaloosa Amp is ramping up that concert schedule. Harry Connick Jr., coming in August. That'll be good stuff. Outstanding. Outstanding to see the live music and entertainment return in full force. It's been a lot of fun on a Tuesday edition of Southern Fried Sports. Brent Beard getting us up to speed on all things college football. We've been talking some college baseball with you as well. College softball obviously came to an end. I guess you could say the Athletic calendar year For UA came to an end Last night In Oklahoma City So full steam ahead September 4th Alabama Miami And Atlanta Georgia Daddy You're ready already aren't you Hey Enjoy the next couple of months For Jacob Harrison and Brent Beard, Travis Ryer providing you with the lunch whistle today on a Tuesday. Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa at Government Plaza. Always a great time to get by Heat Pizza Bar, but never better than Tuesday. When it is Thai Chicken Pizza Tuesday, starting at 6 o'clock this evening, you're going to have $7 Thai Chicken Pizzas, I promise you. If you haven't already, give the Thai Chicken Pizza... At Heat Pizza Bar, a shot, and you will not regret it. All the pies are great at Heat Pizza Bar. Outstanding salads, too. They're going to have $2 domestics for you tonight at Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa, Government Plaza. Until 11 a.m. on Wednesday. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. Bring it home.